grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series from Pastor Sean called Rethinking Impossible. And no matter what is happening in the economy, money and finances are the top stressors facing most Americans. So how should faith impact our relationship to money? And what can we do to find freedom to pursue that which matters most? The message today is called Impossible Provision. Here's Pastor Sean Azaro. It's time for Reaching for Real Life. Have your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 17. We're continuing this series called Rethinking Impossible. And understand something. This is really a series about faith, isn't it? It's about faith. I just want to say the motivation behind this series was the idea of how tragic it would be to walk through life as a, quote, believer, to talk about faith all the time, to study about faith, to preach about faith, listen to sermons about faith, whatever it is, and never really engage in faith. And that is far too often the case for believers, particularly in our modern contemporary culture. There's this disconnect. We read what the Scripture says, and we read what their experience was, and then we kind of live something absolutely different that you don't even recognize as the same thing. That is not how God intended it. This faith of ours is supposed to change the way we look at the world. It's a way of seeing things through the lens of God's real presence, his work, his power among us. That's what this faith does. It changes us. And so we're talking about it because, man, we do not want to walk through this thing and talk about it, hear about it, never really experience it. Now, one of the things we talked about is how we, you know, I, I don't really like the, the words I can't, okay? Um, we, you know, we talked about that at length. And I, I just have to be honest, one of the areas where I hear the words I can't more often than maybe any other is in the area of, or it's due to financial factors. And people say, I can't, you know, and, and I'm talking about stuff regarding their Christian discipleship. Well, I can't do that because I have to work all this overtime because... I've got this debt. I can't do that because, you know, I've got this financial barrier, this financial barrier. It's one of the biggest obstacles. I've got this relationship that I know doesn't honor God and I should separate, but I can't separate from it because financially I can't afford to. And so we got to continue living in something that we know doesn't honor God. And I bump into that all the time. And I just want to say, I don't think that's a unique experience just for Christian people. This issue of finances is this huge burden for lots and lots of people. In 2015, the American Psychological Association did a study, and and there's an article recently put out about that and said, while aspects of the U.S. economy have improved, money continues to be a top cause for stress for Americans. According to the new Stress in America, Paying with Our Health survey released by the American Psychological Association, according to the survey, parents, younger generations, those living in lower-income households report higher levels of stress than Americans overall, especially when it comes to stress about money. Regardless of the economic climate, money and finances have remained the top stressor since our survey began in 2007. I looked at a number of different lists and just did some searches and some research on main things people worry about. Several of those had money as the number one. There was one that money wasn't number one. It was a British survey that was done, and it had the top 20. Okay, number one was growing old. People worried about growing old. Okay, but of the top 10, 
Five of them. Number two was a financial. Five of the top ten were financial. Won't be able to make my mortgage. I've got too much debt. Won't be able to make enough money. This is something that is constantly pushing on many, many people. Furthermore, this year's survey shows that stress related to financial issues could have a significant impact on Americans' health and well-being. APA uh, CEO and Executive Vice President Norman B. Anderson, Ph.D., said, Now, the survey was conducted by Harris Poll on behalf of the APA among 3,068 adults, and it was done in August 2014. It found that 72% of Americans reported feeling stressed about money at least some of the time during the past month. 22% that they experienced extreme stress about money during the past month. That's an 8, 9, or 10 on a 10-point scale. Okay? For the majority of Americans, 64% money is somewhat or very, a somewhat or very significant source of stress. But especially for parents and younger adults, 77% of parents regularly stress about money. What does that do to family culture? What does that do to family culture and environment? 75% of millennials, that's 18 to 35-year-olds, what does that do for their vision of the world and their life decisions? 76% of Gen Xers, 36 to 49 years old, money is a regular stressor. What does this cost us? Have you thought about that? What is the cost of that constant worry, concern, and stress that people wrestle with? What's the cost on our discipleship, our marriages, our family life? I want to suggest that God did not intend for us to walk in that type of constant financial fear, stress, and anxiety. Now, remember, in Matthew 17, we were there last week. We talked about mountain-moving faith. Remember what we looked at? It's the object of your faith, not the amount that moves mountains. We looked at Jesus' statement, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say that mountain move and it'll be moved. And we saw he was not kind of trying to say, okay, the more faith you have, the more you'll be able to do. That wasn't what he was saying. That statement was not actually about the quantity of your faith, but about the quality of your faith. A mustard seed was a negligible amount. What he was talking about, if you have even a mustard seed of real faith, a faith that trusts God and sees him and believes him, If God wants that mountain moved, you can say mountain be moved, and it will be moved. That's the power of real faith. It's the object of your faith, not the amount that moves mountains. Now, later on in that same chapter, verse 24, there's this interesting little story, and I want to look at it. it, Matthew's the only one of the gospel writers that covers it, and I think it'd be easy for us just to breeze by and not really grasp it. But picking up at verse 24, when they... Jesus and his disciples came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? Now, that's kind of interesting. This tax was for everybody, okay? It's interesting they chose Peter, and they asked the question in that way. That question was clearly designed to embarrass and shame, wasn't it? Doesn't your teacher pay the two drachma tax? Why didn't they ask? just go to Jesus and ask him? They knew who he was. They knew who Peter was. They knew who Peter's rabbi was, Jesus. Doesn't your teacher pay the customary two drachma tax? Designed to shame, designed to belittle. Why hadn't they paid the tax? It was a custom dating back to Moses, reaffirmed by Nehemiah. It was sometimes called the atonement tax because it was for the care of the temple, and the temple was where atonement was secured. Now, this tax was interesting. It was the same for the rich or the poor. There was not a difference. It was not the tithe. The tithe was based on income. Remember, the New Testament talks about based on your increase. 
But that's not what this was. This was a smaller tax. It wasn't a ton of money. The, the different scholars vary on how much two drachma was. I've heard as little as a couple bucks all the way up to $100. Because at different places, different regions, these coins had different values. And so it's kind of conflicting the information you get. But what, regardless, it was not a huge sum of money, and it was the same for rich or poor. And so they come to Peter, doesn't your teacher pay the tax? Verse 25, he said, yes. And when he came into the house, so there's a house, Peter, Jesus isn't with him. When Peter came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, isn't it interesting? Before Peter could even ask Jesus about it, Jesus went to him first. That's the second time in this chapter that God interrupts Peter. Kind of interesting. Earlier on, you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? Hey, we should build some tabernacles. And, and the Lord speaks out from heaven. The Father says, uh, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him, Peter. The Peter part, he didn't add. He was a little more gracious. Okay. Listen to him. And the same thing. Now, Peter comes in. You can tell he's got this question on his mind. And Jesus just kind of preempts that with something a little bigger that he's about to talk to him about. There's just a lesson in that, I think, for every one of us. Um, you can never go wrong when you go into the Lord's presence by just listening. You know, he already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what you need. The issue you want to talk about, that may be the real issue, and he already knows. Or it may not even be the real issue. He knows what the real issue is. So that's just good wisdom. When you go into the Lord's presence, it's good to listen. So what do you think, Simon? Jesus interrupts him and asks. From whom do kings, do, do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, when Peter said from others, which was the kind of obvious answer, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea, cast a hook, take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel which is like four drachma. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. It's a kind of unique, odd little story, right? Now, notice in this that Jesus kind of preempts Peter, and he goes right to this issue of taxes and the sons. Who do kings collect taxes from, Peter? The sons are from others. Obvious answer, well, from others. Then the sons are free, right? What's Jesus talking about? Himself as the son? Because remember what they asked was, what, does your master pay? Was Jesus saying, Peter, I'm the son. I don't have to pay the temple tax. Or was he talking about all of them as the sons? All of us as the sons and the daughters. See, this was called the atonement tax. And was Jesus telegraphing that atonement was about to be signed, sealed, delivered? And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this series called Rethinking Impossible, as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. 
Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And back to the message, Impossible Provision. This is Reaching for Real Life. With his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection, the penalty for our sins was about to be paid once and for all. Was Jesus telegraphing this idea that as the sons and the daughters, you do not have to keep re-earning your atonement. You don't have to keep repaying, which is what this tax really was a symbolic gesture towards. Was he saying, Peter, as the sons and the daughters... Our redemption is about to be secured and secured once and for all. It's been done. We're free. And what's interesting is he then goes on to say, so as not to give offense. But we're going to pay it anyway, so as not to give offense. That if you studied the life of Jesus at all, you know, he actually didn't really mind giving offense when it was important and necessary. You remember how he talked to the scribes and the Pharisees when he'd call them, you know, you whitewashed tombs, you hypocrites. When he needed to, he would speak the truth in a plain, clear way, even if it was offensive. How about Peter himself? You remember when Peter tried to correct Jesus? Jesus was talking about his death, predicting his death on the cross. And Peter's like, oh, no, 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 Lord, don't, don't speak like that. Remember what Jesus said to Peter, right? Get behind me, Satan. How'd you like to open up your quiet time and have Jesus say that to you? You know, that's, that's a lot of fun. Peter must have been shocked to his core. So Jesus didn't mind just speaking plain truth when he needed to and just saying, here's what it is. But he's teaching Peter another law. He's teaching about the law of love. Because we're not giving offense for offense sake. We're not trying to be difficult. See, we're going to pay this tax, Peter, for love's sake, not for law's sake. Pretty soon the law, the custom is going to fade. But we're going to do this because of love's sake. And then, of course, it brings up the question, why hadn't Jesus and Peter paid the tax in the first place? Maybe they were out of town. It's possible that they truly didn't have the money. You ever been in that place where you just saw something that you maybe should do, something you want to do, and you just didn't have the money? It's like, Lord, I'd love to do that, but I just can't afford it. Any of you here ever, any of you here never been in that place where you haven't had enough money? Anybody? You've always had plenty to where you could do whatever you want. There is someone who actually raised their hand. This is the first service. I just want to say, uh, I'd like to talk to you later, okay? (laughs) Most of us have all been in that situation. We've just been in that place where it's like, Lord, man, I see something to be great, but I just don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Jesus, we've only got so much money. We've got to eat. We've we got to have clothes. We've got to put a roof over our head. There's practical things. And sometimes as you look at Jesus, it seems like he's pretty free. Sometimes almost, and, and I don't want to say careless, but carefree when it comes to money. Oh, yeah, Peter, we're going to pay it because we don't want to give offense. Remember when... They tried to trick Jesus. 
And they said, should we pay taxes to the Romans? Remember what he did? Give me a coin. Whose picture's on the coin? Well, Caesar's. Give it to him. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Because his image is on the coin. Give it to him. Give to God what is God's. And I love that illustration because Caesar's image is on the coin. Where's God's image? On us. Powerful teaching there. But it's like, Jesus, man, it's great, but money doesn't grow on trees. And he's like, no, it comes from fish's mouths, of course. <laughs> I wish I would have been more aware of this story when I was a kid, because my dad told me a bunch of times, money doesn't grow on trees. No, dad, but it comes from fish's mouth. Look, I would have got a backhand for that one. <laughs> is Jesus, um, is he showing off here? Is that what's going on? this is really a very unusual kind of thing. You think he's showing off? I, I don't really think so. I think Jesus does everything he does for a very significant purpose and reason. Every miracle always had a purpose. What's the purpose here? What's his point? Why didn't Jesus just have Peter pay the taxes out of whatever money they had on hand? I mean, it's possible they didn't have any. Or maybe he was just trying to illustrate a point. Maybe Jesus was saying, I can provide for you by any means I want. I can provide for you by any means I want. It can be through your work. It can be through your investments. It can be through different avenues. And if I want to, I can have a fish jump out of the lake. And have money in its mouth. Not only can I, but I will provide for you everything you need, even if it's just to avoid an offense. And that leads me to this question. What if finances were never supposed to be a hindrance? What if what Jesus is really trying to to teach you? I mean, imagine that moment. Now, Matthew never actually tells us the kind of follow-up on the story, right? He, he doesn't tell us, okay, and Peter ran out and did it, and wow, there it was just as he said. But if it didn't happen, this would be the dumbest story in the Bible, okay? So it obviously happened, right? He tells the story because it happened. Imagine that moment. Peter, he's a fisherman. Jesus asked him to go do one of the dumbest things anyone's ever asked him to do. He goes, he usually uses nets because he's fishing for large quantities, but no, this is a fish. Throws the hook out, pulls it up, opens up, There's a coin in the fish's mouth. Stop and think about it. What was the miracle even? Did Jesus know there was a fish who swallowed a coin and had it? Was that the miracle? Did Jesus actually have the fish go find a coin? I mean, it's like, wow, we don't even know exactly what he did. All we know is he said, there will be a fish. It will have a coin. It will be enough. And stop and imagine, what did Peter understand when he pulled that coin out? What did he understand about Jesus? What did he understand about provision? What did he understand about those critics pressing them for the tax? What what did this moment mean? Maybe money was never supposed to be the hindrance that we allow it to be. Maybe it was never supposed to be an obstacle that kept us from obedience or kept us from living real life. Maybe it was never supposed to, and Jesus is illustrating that loud and clear. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, because this is what I think he's trying to say. Freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. Freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. We live in a culture that says, well, but if I get this much, then I won't have to worry anymore and I'll be free. And it's always more than what we have now, right? 
Remember when you used to say, if you could ever make the money that you're making today, you'd have it made? Well, do you feel like you have it made now? Have you arrived? Are you done? No, especially people who are at higher income levels, you understand the risk and the potential and the problem of being broke at a higher level. But we live in this culture that says, I got to have more. By the way, who said? Where's that written down? Where's that law? It's not in the Bible. We think if I'm going to be an okay person, I have to have more five years from now than I have today. If somehow I have less, it's been a bad five years. Who says? But that's, that shades our whole view of things. If I have this much, then I'll be okay. I won't have to worry. I'll be free. What if he wants you to stop worrying and to be free right now? Thought about that? What if it has nothing to do with more income, but instead more trust? What if freedom is found in more trust? Jesus illustrated this pretty powerfully to his disciples when he, at a certain point, probably about halfway through their ministry, maybe a little more even, he called the 12 together. This is Luke chapter 9, and we begin reading at verse 1. It says, he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons, the spirits that were tormenting people, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God to heal. So what he did is he gave them what God, had, what Father had given him. And they'd seen him do this, and he's saying, right now, I give you that power and authority. You've seen me have that power and authority and exhibit that, guys. But now, now it's all you. I'm giving you that, and I'm sending you out to do what you've seen me, and I'm not going with you. I'm staying here, but you're going. And then he said to them, gives them some instructions, verse 3, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not even have two tunics, two changes of clothes. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. Whatever they do, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Jesus gathers his guys. So you guys have seen me do this. You know the power and authority. Well, I'm just giving that to you. And he gives them the power and authority to bring wholeness and healing and pro- proclaim the message of the gospel. Do you know what he doesn't give them? Anything else. Anything else. He says, take absolutely nothing for the journey. I would not have liked that at all. I'm a chronic overpacker. Seriously, if I go, I never use everything I put in my suitcase. But I have it and it comforts me. I find a strange comforting knowledge that if I wanted that shirt, it was there for me. I don't care if I brought more shirts than days I'm going to be gone. What if I get stuck? What if my plane get canceled? I always like to have cash because you never know. You can't trust a bank card. What if the apocalypse comes? I'll need cash. <laughs> I like to be prepared. It's a true story. I wish I, was, I wish I was kidding. I like to be prepared. Okay, so I overpack. I never wear everything I pack. It's just a thing. Jesus is telling them, bring nothing. Stay wherever you find to stay, and if they receive you, great. If they don't, then just shake the dust off and move on. Go to the next place. See, here's a question. Do you think Jesus could have just given them the money for everything they needed? Here, guys, here's your little envelope. This is your per diem. Okay, each one. There you go. Could he have done that? Yes, he could have just sent them fishing. Guys, go fishing. There's money in all these fish's mouths. Just go, just go get some fish. But he didn't. 
Because he wasn't just teaching them the power and the authority of the kingdom, although that was a powerful message. He was teaching them to walk in the freedom of the kingdom by learning to trust in him for daily provision. Even when you're taking nothing with you, but guys, I already know where you're going to be. I already know what you're going to need. I'm going to be there for you. Just go in freedom. Wow. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you or even better. Your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.